Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show discussing the wonderful world of landscape photography. This time I'm talking to Matt Barbeau about his photography journey. Originally from Canada, Matt is known for his amazing Australian forest scenes and seascapes. We talk about his wildlife and drone photography, how and why he's become a full-time photographer, and the impacts of social media on mental health and well-being. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. How are you going? Good. Thanks for having me, Grant. Ah, absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, agreeing to um, talk to me. So, no, no worries. I've been uh, watching a, a bit of what you've been doing, uh, and I guess, how, how would you describe what you do to somebody that you had just sort of met? As in my style of photography? Yeah, your photography, yeah. Well, it's it's changed quite a bit, but most recently I've been focusing a lot on um, woodland photography. So if you go to my Instagram page, anyone new to the page would see just a lot of photos of trees, <laughs> um, which is not everyone's cup of tea, but... Uh, yeah. I've got to say, they're beautiful photos of trees. Mm, thanks. Yeah, it's been fun um, learning how to shoot. Um, yeah, just shoot trees in general and, and find um, good compositions in the forest. Okay. So what yeah. got you into, into doing that? What got me into it? Um nothing in particular uh i've just always been drawn i've you know i've always been drawn to the outdoors and i love nature in general i love going for hikes you know and i'm and i'm always on the lookout for yeah just beautiful scenes out in nature um and you know i follow quite a few photographers that do woodland photography quite well mm -hmm. and it just you know i started watching a lot of their YouTube tutorials and that kind of thing. And, and I just wanted to, to give it a go myself. And it's been quite a challenge and a new challenge. So it's, it's kept my interest in, in photographing trees. Okay. So what, yeah. what do you think is the biggest challenge there to somebody that's just sort of thinking of doing something similar and want, wanting to get started? What, what have you got to think about? What have you got to do that's different to any other sort of photography? Yeah, so definitely, I mean, composition is always going to be important in any style of photography. Uh, but with woodland photography, finding those compositions is probably the biggest challenge because it's so chaotic. Mm. So it's finding basically order in all that chaos. Um, you know, I guess separating your subject from the the background branches, trees, trunks, exactly, and all that sort of thing. Exactly, because it may look nice to the eye, and then as soon as you take the camera out and you start trying to compose the scene, all of a sudden you realize, okay, this this might not look so good as a photo. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so that's probably the biggest challenge, I'd say, is finding good compositions and, yeah, as you said, separating your subject and really making your subject stand out. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So what what's got you started with photography right in the first place and when did when did you sort of start your photography journey so i'd say i've always been into photography sort of as a as a as a hobby um you know when i was younger i always had point and shoot cameras i remember my earliest memory of actually 
taking photos that I'm still proud of to this day was in New Zealand uh, quite a number of years ago. And, you know, I'm just shooting on a, on a point and shoot film camera and of course having to process them or yeah, process them later. And then, you know, seeing a good photo come out and and getting all excited, right. It's before the digital age basically. Um, But it wasn't until I'd say five or six years ago when I really started taking it seriously and invested in a proper DSLR um, and just started learning as much as I could and trying yeah. to, yeah, take as, as many photos as I can, really. You're obviously not from Australia, but you live in Australia. When when did you sort of come out to, to Australia? And, you know, what, what's a bit of your, your background? Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm from Canada. Um, I moved here, I'd say, in 2008. 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent time here before, like I've backpacked around Australia when I was younger. I met my girlfriend in Indonesia and yep. she's from Sydney. Okay. So um, yeah, I was traveling for a year when I met her. And at the end of my travels, I just decided to move here and give it a go. And I've been here ever since. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So have you shot elsewhere other than Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, so I've shot, I've taken a couple of road trips across Canada. Yep. And photography specific road trips. When I was traveling for a year, I, I was I was traveling with an old um, Canon 40D. Right. Yep. And this was, you know, I was taking photography seriously, but probably not as seriously as I take it today. Yeah, yeah. And if I could do it all over again. Yeah. I would go back and do that trip and probably take some better photos. Uh, but during that time, yeah, I, I went to Indonesia. I went to um, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, Myanmar, mm-hmm. uh, Laos. So, yeah, a lot of the Southeast Asia and then travel over to Europe and the Middle East as well. Right. Uh, which was really great. So I've got a lot of good photos from those trips, but yeah, as I said, I'd love to be able to tackle them again. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, there's a lot of people in that situation. There's there's plenty yeah. of trips I've done where, yeah, I really could have done better, or you know, <laughs> got got, yeah. got to the that location at a better time where there was better light. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why was I shooting that in the middle of the day? Yeah, yeah. Well, some of it is just you know where you happen to be when when you happen to be there. You know. For sure. But, that's one of the hardest parts, I guess, of uh, traveling is making sure that you've got somewhere, you know, or you've got time to get somewhere to, to, to get a good shot. And, you know, I, I think one of the challenges with travel is also you don't get to um, necessarily do repeat, uh, you know, visits to yeah. a location. And that yeah. being able to repeat really makes for the ability to get a better shot. Absolutely. Unless you spend like, you know, uh, you know, a few weeks in one location and you have the opportunity to revisit that same spot over and over again, you've got to kind of hope, hope for the good conditions on the day you're there. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the furthest you've traveled to get a shot? Well, I'd, I'd say most of the shots that I'm, you know, most proud of have come about within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken a lot of solo photography trips around New South Wales. Okay, cool. So mo- 
so more, most recently I went up to, before all the lockdowns, I went up to New England National Park. Yeah. Yep. And that was with the intention of just shooting um, um, forest photography. And I knew exactly where I want to go. Like I'd already been up there, scouted the location. Yeah, exactly. So I knew all the trails I needed to hit. I just needed the right conditions. So I ended up, um, and that's about, I guess, seven and a half hours north of Sydney. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's probably the furthest I've been to, you know, specifically get certain shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I did. So I came camera. Sorry, how long did you uh, stay up there when, when you were on that trip? Uh, about a week. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. And, and what, I was revisiting the same trees like almost every day. Yeah, just different lighting conditions. and Exactly. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, particularly when they're travelling around, they don't, they don't take the time to do that unless they're there specifically to do photography. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I know I certainly don't, you know, because I've usually either, you know, got the, the, the wife with me or rather other members of the family or I'm visiting people and, and whatever. So there's, there's always something else to do or I'm traveling for work, one of the, one yeah. or the other. <laughs> yeah. And you're with people who don't want to wake up, you know, at the break of dawn to go and shoot sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's always a struggle finding, finding other people that want to get up at, ridiculous hours so that they can yep. uh, stand there and watch you take a photo <laughs> that's why i take these photo trips solo grant <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I feel you <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so um how much uh, you, you you say you obviously knew the trails etc how much planning went into that trip or or a, a similar sort of trip how much planning would you put into that before you even sort of get in the car and go out so, as I said, I'd been there once before, and I knew, I, I knew more or less where to find uh, the trees that I want to photograph. Sure. Um, you know, and it kind of took a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, I, I sort of had an idea where I was going, but I had to, I, had to, I had to do a quick hike when I was up there to make sure that they were located where I, where I remembered they were. Yep. Um, but the only planning I could really do from Sydney was try to pin those locations. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, yeah, go back online and see if I can, you know, find any information with some, with some images. Um, But that, but that's really it. Like I'd only been there once before. So it was was basically, okay, I'm going up there with the intention of, of finding these trees and photographing them Mm -hmm. in, in sort of my ideal conditions and and hope for the best and i i basically stayed about an hour away from the national park so every morning i was up at like 4 30 yeah to get there and for, for sunrise yeah. to get there for for first light exactly yeah. um so yeah so really yeah there wasn't really that much planning that i could do um other than when i was up there and just sort of scouted out again sure um but I lucked out and I found them fairly quickly and I knew I can just go back every day. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I, I think it's fantastic if you can, if you can really sort of lay out that broad plan and then, you know, work it through as you, as you get there, because you, 
you're never going to know, you know, weeks ahead what the conditions are really going to be like, you know, whether you're going to get fog, whether you're going to get, you know, clear blue skies. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, I wanted to go up there with the intention of just, as I said, like photographing these trees and, and nothing else. And in mm -hmm. the past I would have, I would have tried to shoot too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there were a couple of mornings where I was driving up and the light was looking amazing, Yeah, but I was nowhere near where I wanted to be. Right. I thought about like pulling over and sending the drone up and getting, you know, getting some sunrise shots, but I knew I would potentially miss my opportunity of where I really wanted to be. So I just kind of drove through and I was like, kept going. Yeah, yeah. yeah, kept going and kind of trying not to look in the rear view at that yeah, beautiful there's, light. There's places like that where I've, I've driven past at various times and seen great light and thought, oh, I should should pull over here one day and I, I just never have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, usually uh, on a sunset, there, there actually um, used to be a spot when I was, uh, when, when I was actually going into the office to, to drive and I drove past it uh, some evenings, you know, just about sunset and you could just see this beautiful light. There was a nice valley there and, you know, uh, many a time thinking you know I should should just pull over never having the you know the dslr with me just the phone but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> ne never never occurred to me to sort of plan it out and take the dslr into work and yeah exactly and uh you know do do the full job on it unfortunately but you know you you uh you, you sometimes miss those sorts of things but um you know i, oh, I do oh, know some other like people get into it yeah well there's always the next time i guess no that's right there's 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 always another time it's not like the uh the, the place is going to shift it's just the conditions you just got to be there at the right time with the the the, the right uh atmosphere i guess yeah there you go so what what's your main creative motivation what it, what is it that you know gets the juices flowing is it looking at other people's work is it you know, looking at your own work and saying oh, I could improve that or or what? Yeah, I think so because one thing about looking at other people's work is it's too easy to compare yourself. Yeah. And go, mm, I'm not taking photos like that and get discouraged. Yeah. Yep. So while it is inspiring, I try not to put too much weight into it. Uh huh. Um. So yeah, definitely looking back at older work and seeing where I'm at now and going, okay, I have improved yeah. as opposed to, oh, I'm not really taking the shots that I want to. Well, okay. You know, two years ago, I certainly wasn't getting those shots and I am today. Mm -hmm. So there's only, you know, room for more improvement, I suppose. Yeah. I think, I think with social media, a lot of people forget that everyone it goes through that not just a creative but also a skill curve yeah. where you know you start out not knowing what you're really doing and you know you're just seeing seeing something you don't know much about composition you don't know much about processing and whatever you know or you might yeah. have a, a you know a, a base mix of skills but as you move up that skill curve, you start to realize what it is that you've got to pay attention to, what you can and can't ignore and, and, and so forth. But, you know, when, particularly when you're looking at other people's work, you know, the guys that you might look at that 
blow your mind. You know, you look at those shots and they just, you know, your jaw drops. Yeah. And I don't think you can compare yourself against those until you've put that same amount of effort and time into, you know, learning the craft and learning how to, you know, how to take and process your, your shots. Yeah, I, I agree. A lot, a lot of people forget that or don't, just don't, they're just not conscious of it. Um, and I, I guess one of the one of the problems with social media is that that then, you know, ends up being something that, you know, people beat themselves up about because they, they, they're not measuring up to an ideal that they just haven't got the skills to do yet. You know? yeah. And not everyone gets those skills. <laughs> not everyone has the drive or the impetus to do it. But, you know, doing that comparison, I think that's a really healthy attitude, you know, not, yeah. not comparing yourself and saying, you know, looking at it going, wow, that's I'd love to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. important, but recognise that that person's been doing this, you know, and, and you know, diff- different people move up that skill curve at different rates. Yeah, exactly. And at some point they were where you're at. Right? Exactly. Like everyone yeah, exactly. has... Everyone has to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. and you know, nobody's doing it in a week or you know, a couple of days. Yeah. It's it's taking, you know, a, a few years. Uh, what is what is the uh the, the measure? Ten thousand hours. There you uh, go. To, to master a skill. So yeah, exactly. Um, you know, some people will put that ten thousand hours into a year, other people won't, you know. Yep. And so knowing where you are and knowing what you've got to do to to improve and look at your own work and look at the improvement from where you started to where you are now i think it's a much healthier way of of looking at it and it's too easy i think when you're first starting out and you're on social media and you're looking at all these other people it's too easy to fall into sort of that same trap of trying to do too much yeah right and you're trying you know maybe too many styles you're trying to you know edit in a certain way yeah. And then you're editing one image differently from, you know, the next image. And there's no, like, I guess after a while, that's how you develop your style, right? Once there's that's a bit right. of cohesion across all the photos. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you, I think you're uh, absolutely right there. Hmm. So with uh, lockdown and everything, when was the last time you actually went out to shoot? Was it that trip up to... Uh, yeah the forest up there in uh, yeah. new england <laughs> i was up there yeah about a week before sydney went into lockdowns that was yeah, that was my last photography trip and that was the last time i picked up a camera yeah i've i've taken all the batteries out of mine so that yeah. uh, they don't um start going off <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good idea <laughs> um yeah, well, I think we've I think we've got another few weeks uh, before we we get out of that. I Do you think, think so. the pandemic pandemic has changed your attitude towards traveling and photography in any way? No, not really. I, I really want to get out there and and, and travel as much as possible. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> and shoot yeah. as much as possible. Mind you, um, I'd, I'd, I'd go anyway. I'd, I'd give anything to go to Parramatta at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, I think like yeah, you know, we're not. We're, we'll get out of this, but it's never going away. So we just have to learn to live with it and, yeah, and we will. That's all there is to it, right? But I've been trying to go to WA for two years. 
<laughs> have you have you not been there before? Uh, I've been to Perth like many okay. many years ago. Right. But uh, my girlfriend and I we were supposed to go to Ningaloo last oh, year. Nice. Yep. And then that got postponed to this year. And we were in the clear, right? Like in New South Wales, we were in the yeah, clear, yeah. basically. And then a month out uh, is when the first cases of Delta started hitting here. Yeah, wow. And I just was seeing the numbers grow every day. And I'm like, WA is going to close their borders. And of course they did. And yeah. so now we've had to postpone it again. Well, that's a real shame. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to traveling again. Yeah. Well, if you, if you do go, uh, there's, I mean, there's, it's like New South Wales. There's so many places to to, to visit and that, that you can see. I mean, I, I love uh, the southwest there, you know, anywhere from sort of um, uh, Bunbury all the way around to Esperance, you know, the coast yep. around there and Margaret River and, you know, some of the um, the, the forests around the, the, the southwest, they're all amazing. Um, yeah, cool. A few hours north, you've got the Pinnacles Desert uh north of perth um and then you you know head further up and you've got ningaloo and you've got broom and the kimberley and uh, yeah i mean it's a massive that, that's the thing about wa it's just a, a, a i don't think many people realize how big it really is um you know and also how uh, I guess sparse the population is as well. So yeah. you you can go to some places there that aren't heavily travelled by tourists and literally not see another person for a week. Yeah, right. That's Just amazing. Where you go, you know. But yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, you've got everything from forests and coasts and you know to to quite harsh desert uh, scenery. You know, you've got the Kimberley, which is sort of uh almost tropical um, yeah oh i'm dying to go there yeah same here same here nah. <laughs> yeah. one day too many places yep the the, the list is long the list is long <clears throat> pardon me um so do, what what's your uh typical routine when you're out shooting um you know or particularly when you when when you're doing sort of woodland or forest uh, shots, um, yeah. So usually when I'm scouting out locations, um, I do so with my phone um, and scouting compositions in general. I just find it easier to, as opposed to like either hiking with my camera in hand or pulling it out every time. So, yep. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm always looking out for compositions um, with woodland photography. I'm always looking for you know um, some kind of pattern or something that you know sticks out from the rest. And how can I now incorporate that into an image? Um, so yeah, so usually I'll pull out my phone, try to find a composition, take a few shots, make some minor adjustments, and then if I feel like there's something there. And the light is looking nice. Then I'll set up my camera. Um, if not, if you know, if the lighting isn't right, the conditions aren't right, or I know that I'm just sort of on a scouting mission at the time, I usually kind of make a few notes, um, take a few more images, and then yeah, just make a plan to come back. Basically, 
yeah. when I know I can get better light or better conditions. Um, oftentimes with woodland, I'm, yeah, I would love some great light, but I'm, I'm often looking for fog. I think fog really helps to like separate the trees um, and really define your subject. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my process. Okay, cool. Yeah. So when you've uh, sort of finished with your, your shooting, what are you what are you looking for when you when you're processing when you you know come back and I, I I know from my experience I come back with a kind of a minimum of about 450, 500 shots. So how how do you go about selecting the one? Because obviously you know particularly doing that forest sort of shooting, you're probably going to take depending on the dynamic range that you need to cover. You might you might be doing some blending, I don't know, you know, but you're going to be taking several shots of the same comp. How do you pick the one? Yeah, so, yeah, so as you said, uh, um, in terms of blending, I do bracket most of my shots. Um, I don't always use all the bracketed uh, yeah. images, but uh, particularly for the highlights, I usually try to make sure I get a few shots um, where I've protected the highlights and I can blend those in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, when you're on location, you're taking all these photos. And as you said, you come away with like four or 500 images easy. With with Woodland in particular, I can, I can look at a photo and go, okay, I don't like this particular branch that's sticking out of the frame that I didn't see before. Right. Maybe I spot it on location, and if I do, I usually don't. I don't try to disrupt the nature in any way. In terms of like, I'm not trying to like bust off any branches or anything like that, or rip roots out. That's but if I can, <laughs> yeah, if I can, if I can sort of use my hand to sort of you know tuck it away out of frame yeah, while taking the shot, then I'll then I'll do that. Sure. Right. So then later on, it's not bugging me so much. But if I missed it. And I happen to spot it, you know, in post. I, I immediately, I don't even start working on those photos. Wow! Okay. I, just, I just move on to the next one. You don't, you don't even try cloning them out or anything like that. It's just no. in, unless it's a composition that I'm really excited about, right? Then I won't bother. Um, and it also depends on how hard I feel the the cloning process will be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, we... like, with with woodland, it can get a bit uh, get a bit complex there. So you're not seeing sort of repeating patterns and whatever, which you know you you, you see some bad cloning efforts and those repeating yeah. patterns here, and you kind of go, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if it's off in the distance, then it's a lot easier. But if it's something yeah. in the foreground, then obviously, you know, yeah, it's, it it's really kind of easy to spot. Yeah. So, so you you want to place the you know a, an autumn leaf in, on a rock or or whatever or <laughs> do you I, I have been known to do so uh <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have done that haven't they? i have done that yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah and i, I mean look it, it seems pretty tedious probably to a lot of people but um oftentimes in those scenes you know, not that I'm trying to rip out roots, as I said, or like break off any branches, but if there are loose branches in the scene, I will clean up the area. Yeah. Because it's easier than cloning out. If I feel that they're a distraction, I will pick yeah. them up and pick, just sort picking of... Picking up a branch and, yep. and moving, it's much easier than going 
getting out the cloning brush here. No, I, yeah, I, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I can, you know, and there's been some images where after I put them into Lightroom, I realize like I didn't do that, and you know, having them side by side with an image or a composition that I that I have done that with, I'm easily going for that photo. Yeah, right. Like, that's that's my preferred comp for sure because already I can tell there's very few distractions yeah. or fewer distractions, I should say. Yeah, and I guess with Woodland, that that's really the the main thing that you're trying to avoid is is those distracting elements that creep in either to the corners or the edges or you know in in the foreground in particular, as you say, background yeah. you can probably. You, you can you can hide them a little bit better with a, with clever processing, you know. You can yeah, bit, bit of oh, dodging, yeah. dodging and burning as is your friend there, I guess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it's so easy to get distracted with uh, those kind of photos. Sure, sure. So yeah. So when when you're processing, you you exclusively in Lightroom, or you a mix of Lightroom and Photoshop, or I do I a mix of both. Bracketing, it would have to be a mix, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I do a mix of both. I usually start it in Lightroom um, and I do like minor adjustments in Lightroom. Uh, and when I move it over to Photoshop, if I need to blend images, that's where I do it. All my dodging and burning I do in Photoshop. Yeah. Um, right. And then I just, yeah, I finish everything off in Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm Photoshop only, I, mainly because I've, I've, pretty much always shot raw and um, Adobe Camera Raw basically has, I think, just about everything that um, Lightroom has except for the, the library element. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, I actually just use Windows <laughs> Explorer as my library. <laughs> just, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know I'm, I, each shoot is a, is a separate folder in a, in a particular picture's set so yeah uh i name them and date them by the, the the location and the month and and year that i took them uh unless of course i go there twice in a month which is unusual for me but um, okay. some so i've done it but uh then then i might uh have have a uh, a second folder you know which will be march 2 or april 2 or whatever you know yeah but um, yeah, then then all I do is just drag and drop and straight into Photoshop, Camera Raw, make make yeah, nice. minor adjustments there, and then into Photoshop for the most of my processing. That's that's because I bracket a lot. Um, yep. You know, uh, shooting sunrises in particular. You know, you it depends on the conditions i don't always bracket well and again like you i don't always use all of the all, all of the brackets that i take um sometimes it's just you know a, a single shot sometimes it's two or three um sometimes it's five yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's good to have those uh, extra extra exposures just in case yeah well it, it, <clears throat> really helps also in low light when you when you are you know you want to deal with you know avoiding noise and i find that it for me it's easier to bracket and blend um and keep your iso as low as possible you know i i rarely move the iso dial 
uh, at all when yeah. I shoot. It's normally stuck on 100. Um, and I'll, I'll only really move it if I'm doing something where, you know, high ISO is, I just can't get a shot otherwise, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so, you know, kind of have a, um, have a, 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 I guess, an inbuilt dislike to noise in, in the shadows. So, yeah. I'm, I'm always taking at least a couple of overexposed, uh, just so that I've got the detail in the shadow and then I can sort of, you know, blend that in and I can always darken that, you know, so that even though somebody might just see a almost black area, uh, in the shot, I know there's no noise there. <laughs> yeah, makes yeah, feel, yeah. <laughs> makes it feel better. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it also depends. It, it, I do that mainly if I'm printing. If yeah, I know okay. I'm gonna, if I know I'm going to print the shot, then I'll, you know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that there is no noise because you know nothing worse than printing noise. You know, it just looks horrible when you when, when you got the yeah. output. Do you, do you do much in the way of printing or not? No, not really. Um, I just don't know enough about it. I don't, to be honest, it sounds funny, but I don't really trust um, my monitor. It's yep. not it's not properly color calibrated. Anytime I've tried to do any test prints, the colors are always off. The brightness is always off. Yep. Um, so I just don't, yeah, I don't, I don't trust it enough. Like I, I feel like I'd, there'd be a lot of trial and error. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I'd like to. I think like I think it's important to. Yeah. No, I I, I got myself a, um, a calibrated monitor and a and then a monitor calibration tool that you know I I now can't live without because because I do print a lot now. You know, yeah. And particularly when you, I mean, I've I've gone uh, for quite a few large format prints recently. Um, and when you're blowing an image up and you know that it's going to be, you know, one and a half or a metre wide, you know, and a metre tall or whatever, that, you know, you kind of you kind of got to make sure that you've gotten rid of all the blemishes because... Yeah, yeah, because it's going to show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to make sure that... Uh, 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 the best thing is obviously having a really good relationship with your, with your printing guys as well, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, quite often, I'm I'm on the phone to them saying, "All right, I got a got an order I wanted to do with you, and this is this is kind of how I want it to look." And yep. they, you know, so I, I I send them the image, and they then sort of, you know, will give me a, a bit of a test print, just a small small scale one that I can sort of get get a look at, okay. um, which really helps. But um, yeah. Working with the the, the print guys uh, makes a big difference. I also do quite a few books, which I don't. They they're just through um, uh, what's it called blurb, I think. Blurb, okay. Yeah, so that that's um, one of those. I mean, there's lots of them about. You basically, you know, you can just bundle up a bunch of photos you can you can actually just hit a button and it'll organize them into the pages and then you hit buy and it, it'll tell you what it'll cost and you print it and a, a week later it turns up on your door you know? <laughs> too easy 
Wow. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I mean, printing now is is literally that easy. And, I mean, you can do really, really high-quality, you know, looking books and uh, and whatever for, you know, I mean, depends. If you, you put a lot of images in, it'll be much more expensive. But, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you can pick pick one up for about 40, 50 bucks. Um, yeah, okay. You know, with, you know, 40, 50 pages in it and it's, you know, it's just really nice to have to it's better better than the old school photo albums anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. So when you're working with the with the guys at the printing house, do they normally get back to you and say, like, okay, you should probably, you know, brighten it up or darken it or whatever? Well they'll they'll do some of that themselves. So they, they obviously have monitors which are calibrated to the printer. Yeah. But they if if you know you've you know, got a black block, you know, that they can't get rid of and they want you to lighten it, you know, they're, they're not going to edit it. They're going to say, right. okay, you know, can, can you give us a, a, a slightly brighter, you know, uh, shot of that? But um, Yeah, okay. Just because there's not enough detail in that area. Or, or yeah, that, well, it that depends, sort of depends on what it is, you know. I mean, yeah. if it's, you know, if it's, a, if it's a really dark night shot that, you know, is obviously going to have some blacks in it, but it, yeah. it just depends on you. You know how you, your blacks can just sort of block out and they become just you, you lose the separation, you lose the detail. Sure. So, yeah. You know, it, it depends on if there's detail in that area or not. You know, if it's a yeah, okay. You know, if it's a night sky and there's there's no stars in that sort of part of the sky or whatever, and it's just black. They're probably not going to worry too much. About <laughs> not that I print too many like that. But, yeah. yeah. But I, mm. I, I think for um, anyone wanting to do printing, the you know the relationship you have with your your, your print mob is uh, you know probably very important to to make sure they know what you're looking for. And you know, I've I've, I've been really impressed with the guys that uh, I, I've worked with the Frame Shop. Frame shop. Okay, where are they based out of? They're in they're in Roselands, so they're a, okay. they're a local company. Um, yeah, cool. I've also done some with uh, New Lab down in down in Melbourne, and they're they're excellent as well. Okay. I think uh, there's quite a few out there. It just depends on sort of prints that you're doing and what you know what size and you know. There's some people that. Um, you know, there's some guys that don't have those very large format printers. Yeah. The, thing, the the thing I found about the uh, the frame shop guys is that they they can do I think they can do acrylic um, uh, prints up to about 180 centimeters, so okay. almost, almost two meters wide. Yeah. And so you know if you want that really big statement piece uh, that's yeah, it's the way to do it. Yeah, definitely the way to do it. The acrylics <laughs> aren't cheap though, in comparison to other. No. Prints. <laughs> yeah. What uh, what kind of monitor do you use? Uh, it's an Asus ProArt. Uh, what is it? I don't know. It's a it's a four K monitor, which is probably overkill for, but it's used for other purposes other than just sure. know, photo editing. But um, yeah. Yeah, the the Asus uh, Pro Art I've found, uh, you know, it comes fully calibrated. Um, I think there's a new model out. So the the one I've got is 
34 inch, I think, which, you know, allows you to, you know, and because it's 4K, you can, you know, zoom right in, get really good detail. You know, you're not, you're not scrabbling around for space. You know, you used to have two, two 27 inch monitors. No, they were okay, but I found with the 34, I don't need, don't need two monitors anymore. But, um, It'll be my next purchase, I think. I spent enough money on photo gear, so. Yeah, and the the Asus weren't. Uh, it wasn't hideously expensive. I mean, it was. It, well, it's not a cheap monitor, but it's not the it's also not the most expensive in the sort of editing and uh, pro art range. Yeah. Art style range, and the the main reason I got it was because it came factory calibrated. So you know, out, out of the box, you didn't have to. Didn't have to calibrate it or change anything. It was, uh, it was yeah, sweet. Set up from the get go, which is great. Cool. So, I, I guess getting back to your photography, <laughs> um, do you have a favourite spot to shoot? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I do. Not really. I think um, you know when I first moved to Sydney, I wanted, you know, I I had a lot of lot of you know bucket list spots that i want to check out you know places i'd never been before yep and i think for the most part i i've you know i think i've i've hit them all up you know save you know a few here or there um and, and i would certainly go back in better conditions but yeah there's not anywhere that i there's not i don't have a particular spot that i visit you know if i know the sunrise is going to be nice or yeah. it's going to be a good sunset i just sort of play it by ear and decide on the on the day not fair enough i do that a lot <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like i've been down to the opera house shooting heaps like i don't think i really need to go back but i'm i'm sure i will <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm surprised by how, how many times i i go the thing is you just go in different conditions and yeah you know i mean i i, I still haven't captured uh sort of lightning and storms or a shelf cloud over the city yet you know so that's um, that's still on the list so yeah thing is i'm usually at work when they 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 turn up you know (laughs) because normally about three four in the afternoon and yeah summer and uh so i kind of miss them unless i've got the day off which is uh, all too rare and you have to you have to watch it on someone's story later on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you, you get uh, you get the FOMO and say, uh, yeah, somebody was lucky enough to be there. It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of FOMO, are there any particular photographers out there that uh, are catching your eye, uh, and anyone you think I should get onto the podcast? Um, there's a couple of guys that I've you know, sort of been following for a while and yeah, there's this one guy who goes by the name, I think his, I think his name on Instagram is flow.imagery. Yep. Yep. Same he, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. He does really good seascape stuff. Uh, I think in the water. Um, yeah. So he's, he's probably got a housing. Uh, he's, he's really great. He really caught my eye recently. Um, there's another guy who goes by the name of, Jeff, I think his name is Jeff Freestone out of Yep. I, I want to say Victoria. And he, yeah, and he does a lot Victorian of high country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He does some really nice stuff. A lot of smaller um I've, I've actually got him, got him on my list of bookings. So. Oh, perfect. There you go. 
yeah yeah there's i mean there's so many good photographers out there right like no i know I mean, and this yeah, is I, I, I could definitely do this podcast for many many years and not yeah like of, uh, and just on australian photographers like yeah and just yeah literally just australian yeah yeah, yeah. no well i called it uh photography world because I, I i do have a few uh internationals uh on the list as well so um so, yeah, some of which nice. uh uh, will have been released and others who um, are, are upcoming. So, Yeah. There's a really good photographer out of uh, Vancouver. His name is Tristan Todd. Okay. I can't say I've come across him before. I'm, mind you, I might have and just not not recognised the name. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll definitely look his stuff up and uh, see, see what he's up to. Yeah. So what tips have you got for somebody that wants to start out? They've, you know, they've got themselves a DSLR or a mirrorless, you know, camera that they've just bought and a couple of lenses and, and you know, hopefully a tripod. What, what, what would you say to them if they came to you to ask for, for advice? Uh, don't open up an Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Twitter. That's, that's yeah, where, yeah, go to Twitter. That's where all the cool photographers are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I think, man, I think I would just tell them to, you know, do their own thing and shoot what they're, you know, passionate in and shooting and not, you know, really care about what everyone else is doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's the other thing about, you know, when you're on social media, if, if you're not, getting those likes it's easy to get discouraged and think like well i'm oh, absolutely. not good at this oh you you're definitely seeing that in the um uh the the nft space at the moment where people are you know crawling all over twitter not not so much on instagram yet but crawling no. all over twitter saying oh you know i've had had these nfts out there for months and i haven't sold them and it's like well you know it, i i it's interesting the parallels with you know physical art sales yeah. It, yeah. I, I don't think it's much different it's the people that do get connected yeah. whose work they're, they're talented obviously whose, whose work is really good that social media has probably allowed some people that wouldn't normally you know get that recognition to gain some recognition but yeah, yeah there's an awful lot of really good photographers out there with really good you know, stuff that could sell and is saleable is just getting it visible. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. When you have next to no followers, it's like, how else do you get your work out there? Right. That's right. Yeah. Some, somebody asked, asked me, um, uh, you know, they, they were fairly new to social media and they asked me how, how I'd sort of got the following that I'd got, you know, not that I'm, you know, any great shakes at it and i just said well just engage and authentically you know just you know look at other people's work follow a lot of people yeah and comment on their work you know yeah. Re retweet if it's twitter or you know yeah um you know sh share it on a story because you like it and don't yeah, exactly expect, don't expect anything in return that, that's the main thing just don't expect yeah. anything in return and what will happen is that people will see someone that's genuine somebody that's you know you know got something to say or you know their, their work's really good or whatever and they'll they'll start following them you know yeah i, I agree I, I, 
the one the one thing I hate is the you know oh can you can you have a look at my account will you follow me you know after they follow you and it's kind of like well you're a good photographer but your stuff doesn't make me go wow you know it's not not something that I want to see in my feed yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know it, it, I think great photography for what it is but it's yeah you know, it, you know it might be somebody's close-ups of flowers or flies or whatever and I I really I'm not absolutely nothing against macro photographers or flower photographers or whatever that's their thing yeah. it's just not my thing you know yeah nothing wrong with that exactly I think some people still adopt the model of well if I follow you surely you're going to follow me back yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah when people follow me that don't like anything before following me I'm immediately sus <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm the same yeah or, or the, the or the um strange name with lots of numbers behind it <laughs> yeah i don't i don't even look at those accounts I don't no no there's no post there anywhere <laughs> yeah well that's <laughs> that's it yeah. and then then you get all the the uh the weird and wonderful dms you know oh. which uh you know you you just block or uh or delete yeah yeah i i got one recently and you know the the person was just like hi and I was like, oh, okay. And I looked at the account and it was, you know, she, I think she worked in like finance and I, I want to say like cryptocurrency. And I just thought, you know, she kept beating around the bush and you know, slowly working her, her way through the conversation. I just yeah. remember thinking, working to a script. Hey, w w yeah. where's like, when are you going to give me the pitch? Like, when are you going to give me the sales pitch? Like out yeah. with it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the or the like the, the like in the post which says um, DMS for promos, you know, mm. I love them. Yeah, yeah. I've I've started started responding to a few of them saying why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I was gonna respond to a couple because I you never I get a few an answer, DMs. Though, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's you your don't. Own amusement. But I had one where it was like, oh, we think you we 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 took a look at your page. We think you would be great for our our product, and it was like. Yeah. Um, promoting like fitness attire yeah and i just wanted to i wanted to reply and be like really like what why do you think i would be great for this yeah why do you why do you think it's, my photos of trees would match your brain exactly <laughs> it's because of all the all the portrait photos that i put on my account of people wearing fitness gear <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense uh, no it, it, I, I guess you know some of them some of them it, it's a business model you know yeah. it's a strange business model I'd, I'd I'd rather work with people that I, uh, you know, I, I I like and admire, and there, there's a cohesiveness between brands. If I was yeah, if I was running a, a a business, it'd be like, well, yeah, it 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 needs to have a tie-in. <laughs> yeah, and look, I get that it's like a bot just like sending out all oh, these yeah, messages, yeah, yeah. but yeah. it'd be so much better to hear from someone going like, look, I know you don't shoot portraits, I know, but your stuff is pretty good. Like, would you consider doing that? And we'll, yeah. you know, we can work together. It's like, okay, I can respect that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So if you weren't a photographer, what would you be? Oh boy. Good question. Well, I used to work in the wine industry back in Canada. Okay. Uh, so I, I sort of fell into that. And while I love drinking wine, I wasn't too keen about working in the industry. Um, <laughs> getting into photography was really you know um just starting over starting fresh and trying something different um 
and even though you know I, I love to shoot landscapes i know the likelihood of being a landscape like a full-time professional landscape photographer is you know it's a tough yeah exactly yeah. um so yeah so i you know i got into other forms of photography so on the side i shoot weddings and i shoot yeah. some underwater stuff as well yep. um yeah so that's you know being a photographer is sort of the other thing that i wanted to do yeah. um yeah. and so if i got out of it now your guess is as good as mine <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> i have no idea yeah. uh, go and find a, a job at woolies second chill yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. I'm sure you. Uh, I'm sure your skills would uh, be um, be well above uh, shelf stacking. Anyway, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. All right, I've got one last and uh, the most important question. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Absolutely not. No, you're, you're <laughs> I'm an, Are you a yes? I'm. I'm. I'm a neutral. If You're it's a neutral. There, if it's there yeah. and there's not much else, I, I, if I was ordering one, Hawaiian wouldn't be it. No, but God, no. If oh, there's it, Hawaiian there and there's nothing else, I'd, I'd eat it. <laughs> nah, it doesn't even deserve to be on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very non-traditional. It, it's a it's a very polarizing subject. Look, I love pineapple, yeah. but I also love pizza. Yeah, and they just don't they just don't go together. It's just, yeah, I'm sticking to it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. No, I'm not going to change your mind, and uh, I'm not going to try. I'm not. I'm not here to try. I'm just here yep. to here to explore the world's most important questions. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time out, Matt. It's uh, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. And um, no worries. Really, uh, really pleased to spend some time with you where can people find your work uh just on instagram uh so two 52 uh 52 okay cool yeah that's the best place uh twitter as well um it's just yeah i guess i think it's just barbo.mat yep which is a pretty new account so that's why i don't remember my profile name <laughs> <laughs> All right, no yeah. worries. All right, well, thanks again, Matt. And, yeah, uh, no worries. Thanks a lot, Grant. Really appreciate hope, it. Hope hope to bump into you sometime uh, out shooting. Absolutely. All I right. know what you look like now. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grant. Thanks a lot, man. No worries. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work and this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.